Welcome to the In Camera Review Podcast. We are lawyers talking about movies. The movie we're talking about this week is The Machinist from 2004 and directed by Brad Anderson. It stars Christian Bale, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Michael Ironside, the only supporting actor to lose three appendages in three separate movies, Total Recall, Starship Troopers, and The Machinist. <laughs> We will be discussing Mark Wahlberg. We will be looking at the 2011 Academy Awards, the King's Speech to Calm the King's Crown. <laughs> Moments after you left the shop, someone powered up my machine with my arm in it. I nearly got killed. Accidents happen. It wasn't an accident. Accidents happen out of negligence. This happened out of spite. Hell, that's some vocabulary you got, kid. Spite. Ill will, vengeance. Vengeance means revenge, Miller. I'm sure you know what revenge means, don't you? I'm on to you, Miller. Despite your stupid jokes, you secretly blame me for the accident. New car or not, you despise me for it. How'd you get into my place? Duplicate keys, credit card, what? Fuck you, Miller! This shit's gonna stop! Christian Bale in 2004 is The Machinist. This movie is about a machinist played by Christian Bale, named Trevor Resnick. He has insomnia and has not slept, so he is so tired. He also has psychological problems that stem from some kind of trauma of which we are unaware, until it is revealed to us at the end of the movie that he was involved in a hit-and-run accident in which a child died. This movie is pretty early on in Christian Bale's career, right, Matt? That, I think that was his coming out party. He had been already in The Emperor's Son, Newsies, just been in American Psycho. Correct. He does The Machinist, and then he does Batman Begins, and then pow, he's just all over the place. So so he lost 60-something pounds for The Machinist, right? It's, it's pretty insane. Batman Begins was filmed like six months after this movie, so he had to gain it all back, plus beef up for the role right. of, of Batman which is insane. And apparently he just ate pizza and ice cream like every day and worked out. Right. Yeah, I mean, that guy is, well, we'll get into it. Uh, he's a master of his craft. If Matthew McConaughey wins Best Actor for Losing Weight, other actors win for Gaining Weight, I, I don't even think he was nominated. But I mean, if I had one word to describe this movie, uh, Hitchcockian, the score of that film, how tightly boxed it was, really a lot of fun pretty suspenseful the film communicated with the audience kind of on a, a who done it who's behind it but it's not like uh who murdered him it's who's out to get him and when they've got the the game of hangman on the fridge it ends with er it could be trevor it could be miller everybody's name ends with er it was just it was a ton of fun and the reveal at the end of it is top 10 reveal in in a movie I didn't see it coming, but a second time around, there are a lot of clues. All know? the pieces matter. <laughs> What'd you guys think? This this was second time around for me. I, I mean, I agree with the Hitchcock comment. There's there's scenes or whatever that I don't think they're filmed in black and white, but they come over as black and white. It's very black and white in the scene, right? Or an off color. Like, what, are you talking about like when the storm comes in and you meet the alter ego? The way he's filmed talking through the window, it's just, there's a different lens going on there. Yeah. I, I will say this. It's pretty short, right? It's 98 minutes or something like that. Loved it. 
Loved it. I know you love the, the, the under two hour. I did find myself as short as it was. It's very slow paced. We're just kind of plodding along, which is fine. But at some level, I found myself unengaged. And maybe it's because the reveal and this being maybe a movie that after you know the reveal, you're, you're maybe not as in tune to. I was much more engaged the first time, but knowing what happened, I was less engaged this time around. There was maybe one trip too many to the airport. You don't like coffee and pie? So I love I love this movie. I, As I mentioned on the podcast last week, I remember not knowing anything about it and just going and seeing it and really kind of walking away with a lot of awe and amazement at Christian Bale's performance. And I love movies like this. I love twist endings. Twilight Zone is one of my favorite shows. I like it when it's well done. I think that this movie came off to a lot of people as gimmicky because there was a gimmick of Christian Bale losing weight and, you know, that became the hype around the movie. It almost would have been better if there there was no ending at all and if it was never explained. And it's almost like it's too satisfying for people that they think it's... Yeah, see, that's, it's a satisfying movie, man. Right. It, it scratches the edge. I think that this movie is very underrated. It's got a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is right. relatively low. There was a string of movies for about five years that kind of followed this formula to have very good performances and a very surprise twist ending. Obviously during this time is the the beginning and the rise of M. Night Shyamalan, 99 Sixth Sense. Also a very similar movie where you have characters that are imaginary, Fight Club in 99. You have Stir of Echoes in 99 also. American Psycho, Memento with our boy Nolan, A Beautiful Mind, Ron Howard. The Others, if anybody saw that, Nicole Kidman, great little horror flick. 100% The Others is, is right right in, in this wheelhouse. But it's Donnie Darko, Fighter in 02, directed by Cronenberg. Identity, directed yes. by James Mangold, 2003. Spider with David Cronenberg is 2002. Identity, 2003. A Secret Window, 2004. And then The Machinist comes in at the end. There's that. also a movie called High Tension. Tension. Right. So I think it just, it got lost at the end of this thing when the people were checking out of this and they wanted to think about something else. That's my general take about why this movie is, I think, vastly underrated and known as more of a gimmicky asterisk in Christian Bale's career rather than, and also Brad Anderson didn't do anything after this that was of note. I watched Trans-Siberian the other day. It's mediocre. And, and, and Brad Anderson does a great job in this movie. Very Hitchcock, exactly like you say. He does it it's really well. It's got some linch well. to it though as well. I mean, the kind of hallucinations that he sees or his alter ego is missing three fingers and they sewed a toe on that was that was straight out of Twin Peaks man I mean it it felt like it was at least you can't tell where it's set there's no description shot in Barcelona because nobody wanted to make this movie and I see why because the script was hanging around with all these other movies being made and it got passed just some Spaniard bought it like they're like that's why it's called Il Maquina Nesta or whatever exactly so they shot in Barcelona and that guy was just he's like a character actor in London he was like sure I'll go Barcelona mate (laughs) fake teeth and fake fingers and he you know says it's Miller time storm's coming you know, and Jennifer Jason Lee is just a worker. Literally a worker. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, right. <laughs> the, but I thought like some of the psychological mechanisms in it were really well executed. For instance, when he's with Jennifer Jason Lee and she says, you know, if you were any thinner, you'd disappear. She says and, you wouldn't exist. Yeah, you wouldn't exist. And then 
when he goes to the diner the very next scene she says that to him right away you know like this is going to be a fucked up movie you okay and i look okay if you were anything or you wouldn't exist that's some notice to hang on buddy this is an extraordinarily well-crafted script. I love the bookends of the beginning and the end of the movie. And you can see the look on his face when he's looking at the carpet open and you don't see what's open. You, you see think that he's scared it's... that it opened and he's about to get pinched. Right. right. And the body didn't get all the way down. And then, of course, it turns out there's no body there. Then he comes home, starts cleaning his house with bleach and washing his hands with bleach, right? And then he's that like, got to buy more. The whole movie. You wash his hands with bleach the whole movie. Obviously, he had the metaphorical blood on his hands. I thought that there was some really just well done, very subtle symbolism. These are great performances backed up by a very well-crafted script with thorough direction. Those are the three legs of the stool of a great movie. He just had some fun. I mean, he just used a lot of different mechanisms. When he's driving and he just stops in the middle of the intersection and he's looking at the water tower. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, is this like an alien movie? Because it was a very odd looking but that would just be a Spanish, what a Spanish water tower looks like. No, I, I was fully expecting him to turn to his right and see in the passenger seat Richard Dreyfus and have him say, this is important. Right. This means right. the fun house and like when they went through the fun house and all that. The fun house is amazing. If, if you go back, when you watch it on second viewing, you see every single thing that's in that fun house has some meaning. The references to Dostoevsky's books are interesting because apparently this script was loosely inspired based on whatever you want to call it of the double uh, by Dostoevsky. The characters of Ivan and Trevor, those are all characters in, uh, in the book. In, in the book, The Idiot, which he's reading. In the background, when you see them coming around through the Route 666, you yeah. see Time and Punishment. I mean, he got it all in there, man. He really did. It's, as we talk about it and you say something like that, it could be just another gimmick. It's like, is this kid a freshman or a sophomore filmmaker that's got to get all that in? Might be a little exhausting for some people. Not for me, man. Not for me. It's funny that how much both of you love it because I didn't. I don't really love the movie. I mean, I think it's a good movie. I'm I'm blown away by Bale's performance. The second time around, it's even better. You're just sort of awestruck by Bale's performance. I don't necessarily love the movie. The movie portion of it's just okay. I'm in. I'm still in awe of. Bale's performance and the weight loss and everything. I mean, but he's he's very, despite the, the creepiness kind of of the weight loss, he's so charismatic when he's interacting with figments of his imagination or real people. I love the two guys from The Wire that work at the- Yeah, I was just about to give a Wire shout uh, out. And, you know, sort of the back and forth between them and D'Angelo talking about the women and stuff like that. I appreciate all of that stuff. If I'd never see it again, I'll be okay. That whole scene had a, a purpose to it though. It, that I didn't notice the first time that he used to go out all the time and now he doesn't. Used to be all right. <laughs> the first time I saw it, I did not see, even though it hit you right on the nose at the fun house, I did not I see it I coming. Either. I didn't either the first time. I didn't see a drunk driver in this at all. I was not looking for it. At some point when he said he had a hit and run, Jennifer Jason Lee says they should hang those guys. And that's the the hangman thing. I was like, man, you know, the second time around, I don't know how I missed it. In the fun house, when they go past the sheriff's office, there's somebody hanging that says guilty. Right, right, right. Brad Anderson, like you said, 
the fact that you just pointed out that nobody wanted to make this movie, I think he's just some studio guy that hit this out of the park. Everything else he does is TV. The, the shows that he works on are all great shows. Done the Wire, he does Boardwalk Empire, he does HBO Productions, but he hasn't done great. Session Nine's decent. Agreed. Trans-Siberian, I didn't finish. You didn't miss anything. It, it's, it's a shock. I mean, I think I, at first I was thinking like, oh, I can't wait for this movie to come out. Oh, this is, this is our boy Anderson. And now this was a studio kid that got lucky on this and, and is never going to live up to it again. I don't even think he tries. He just does TV now. Nobody's going to pay him. Logan, I think your take on the movie is probably the consensus of it. And I'm not sure that I'm not sure that I would have felt the way about the movie had I not just seen it, not knowing anything about it. But I do think that Brad Anderson exceeded expectations and took what, what essentially is sort of like a film school thesis screenplay and, and really elevated all of it. And then Bale puts it over the top, not just the weight loss, but he's tremendously ferocious for a guy who weighs like 120 pounds. Now, when we come back, we're going to be talking about what's in the goddamn master bedroom in the fucking floor safe under the bed. <laughs> One kid with your old man, one kid with your mother. You're up in middle class during the weeks, then you're dropping your eyes and you're hanging in the big bad salty projects with your daddy the fucking donkey on the weekends. I got that right? Yep. You have different accents? You did, didn't you, you little fucking snake? You were like different people. You a psychiatrist? Well, if I was, I'd ask you why you were a statey making 30 grand a year, and I think if I was Sigmund fucking Freud, I wouldn't get an answer. So tell me, what's a lace curtain motherfucker like you doing in the stadies? Mark Wahlberg in 2006's The Departed, directed by, well, we know who directed that. And in that scene, he plays Sergeant Dignam. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, his only nomination for an Academy Award of his career. Although he starred in The Fighter, which was nominated for Best Picture, he was not nominated. That is his sort of breakout scene as far as the Academy is concerned. But Wahlberg's career to me is an interesting one. But he, you know, he comes along with uh, Renaissance Man, with Danny DeVito in 94. He then hits the Basketball Diaries and much like Leo, takes off from there. 97 is Boogie Nights, which, you know, as you mentioned, Matt, last week, thanks to PTA, this guy has a movie career. The question of what kind of movie career he had and would he be able to get in front of a director like Scorsese and be able to get nominated for an Academy Award, I don't think that happens without 99's Three Kings, directed by David O. Russell, and 2004's I Heart Huckabees, also directed by David O. Russell. Do you think even with Boogie Nights, he's not in The Departed without Three Kings and I Heart Huckabee? Yes, and the reason is this, is he can play a guy from Boston, but if you are going to take a, if you're going to pay somebody the amount of money you have to pay Mark Wahlberg to be in your movies, you need to know that the guy can act more, more than just, can he do the Matthew McConaughey, I'm from Texas. Right. And the way he did that was by showing that he has what I think is his, his best attribute as an actor, which is this comedy side. I was going to say the same. He's hilarious. He is hilarious. He's, he's got really good timing. His face never breaks in those scenes. Right. Like never right. breaks. Mike, I, I was going to say the exact same thing. Looking back on all of his movies and his scenes and everything, he's got really interesting career. He does all these huge blockbuster movies, which we know he's getting paid for. Transformers and Shooter and, and all this kind of stuff. Then he does all of the like big event type stuff. So he's done Patriot's Day, the one about the Deepwater Horizon. Which so he think- works with certain directors that right. way and, and it, i think that's his boy peter berg 
Yeah. And he's, he's boys with them. Right. And so talks, I know there's an interview where he's talking about three Kings and a Russell and a Russell basically said, do you want to be in my next movie? And he's like, of course, of course I'll do that for you. Right. Which is I heart Huckabee's, which I think is one of his best performances. And, but it's a comedic role. And he just, I think he knocks it out of the park. Every scene he's in in that movie, I'm like in tears laughing. So intense. It's in this like comedic role. He, he plays it really well. He moves from being very intense with this like elderly Sicilian woman who's experienced like the horrible tragedy. And then, you know, then he lightens up when he finds out that, you know, Jason Schwartzman rides a bicycle. <laughs> and when you sent that scene out, uh, Logan, for the other guys, I went back and I, I watched it uh, the other night, the, the whole movie. It's hilarious. That's a, that's a hilarious movie. Adam McKay does a great job directing that. The scene um, where Michael Keaton, when they're all at like the wake and they're all like fighting, whispering. Two good men are dead. And you guys are fighting over who's going to be the next hot shot, huh? Is that what's happening? Yes, that's exactly what's happening. That seems like my favorite. Well, the first time I watched the other guys, I just didn't think it was that funny. And, you know, we talked about Will Ferrell at some point. He just can't really play that leading role. He's kind of got to be the, just the little snippets of him or it's too much. And that's kind of how I felt the first time I watched that movie. But when you go back, there's so many like great, like one-liners from that movie that still crack me up. Like, Peacock, Captain, you gotta let me fly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the michael keaton stuff too with all of his tlc references right but michael keaton i thought steals a show in that movie i think michael keaton is an unsung comedic hero as well you know i think people think of mark Wahlberg as an action movie star and don't get me wrong some of his action movies are very good like what lone survivor i bet that's um, where the peter berg shit started with his comedic careers, I think that it shows that he's got some depth and he's got some ability. And he, after The Perfect Storm, and that movie makes the perfect amount of money, he, he rolls. And he's, he's a leading man after that, right? And then, then after that, he's doing Rockstar, The Italian Job. He, he does Planet of the Apes with Tim Burton, which... Right, right. right. This is this, Now you're talking. Correct. I, I would say that artistically, he needs Boogie Nights, Three Kings, and I Heart Huckabee to be acclaimed he needs the perfect storm to get that leading man role and start making that money here's an interesting question that i have when did he start becoming a major player in productions i know that he did transformers part four after entourage came out and he's doing all these action movies where i'm like he doesn't need to do it he's putting out entourage he's putting out boardwalk empire he's putting out good shit he did the the show with gabriel byrne in treatment in treatment yeah amazing show 2004 was when entourage came around which is also the year he did i heart huckabees right so i i wonder at that point whether he starts getting looks from people that want him to green light their projects at some point well look he he hits it hard with he hits huckabees with russell he does four brothers with john singleton matt you were right lone survivor patriots day Deepwater horizon mile 22 those all look to be peter berg films correct which, which in my opinion peter berg does nothing but put out mediocre movies that are three-star entertaining to watch while you're folding laundry and your kids like <laughs> screaming in the background 
looks like Peter Berg did this new one that he's in, which is Spencer Confidential, which was straight to Netflix. Straight to Netflix. Yeah. yeah, and and I think it's gotten horrible reviews. Which, to your point, Matt, why why is he doing this? Right, like he he's producing all of these great things. He's not any any of them. Right, it's because money. he's making and he's making money off the productions as well. When when he's putting out, this is the one time you're going to hear me talk against someone being prolific. His batting average suffers tremendously from doing these quote unquote blockbusters. He is in way more bad movies than he is in good movies. But they all make money. He's a blue chip stock is what he is because it, no matter it, even if his movie sucks it doesn't bomb at the box office so he only does the sure yeah, thing like we're here to talk about the art if he if he was an artist he would just do really good comedy that's what he's really good at and that's that's the thing that's missing in his career is he does invincible in 2006 which is a disney movie that makes tons of money the departed he does the happening with m night max Payne makes a ton of money and then he goes back to working with russell in 2010 with the fighter then he's doing really movies he should have been doing along like Ted. He's... I don't know if he knew he had it in him at that point, right? Ted is the first. I mean, I heard Huckabee, he's funny in it. Even Boogie Nights, he's funny in it. But it's, it's, it's a dramedy. You know, I don't think you can discount his dramedy or his, his dramatic chops. I mean, that scene of him as Dirk Diggler in the opening when his mom is yelling at him and he starts crying and or when he's asking Jack corner for help at the end. He's like, Jack, Jack, please help me. Will you help me, Jack? I just want to know if you can help me, Jack. I, um, I need help. Like, it's... My favorite scene from Boogie Nights. It's an amazing scene. But as far as acting goes, it's Thomas Jane's best acting scene, and it's Alfred Molina's best acting scene. It's not his, though. I was, I was cautious about picking it, because Molina's so good at it. I wanted to just get it highlighted on his face, like that that part where they focus on on his face and just the subtle retrospect right. you can see he's having. But right before it is is Molina going, Ricky Springfield, he's a buddy of mine. I'm just like, fuck, it's gonna outshine him. And, and then after that, you get this, you know, Tom J. We came here, motherfucker, do something. That's what goddamn came here, motherfucker, do. It's blow. I mean, it's it's great. It's it's a, it's a fantastic scene. It's PTA all over the place. But he and John C. Riley are background characters to that, right? For sure. For yeah, sure. For sure. The little Asian guy throwing throwing the firecrackers around is the star of that scene. It's Cosmo. He's Chinese. Yeah, it's Cosmo. He's Chinese. You guys, we haven't talked about the Gambler. I, I will not sit here and say it's a good movie, but like he gives a very good performance in the movie. John Goodman so, is in it. John Goodman's very good. Um, I remember Omar from The Wire is in it. Um, I mean, I remember watching a trailer for it and getting amped up with the Entourage movie that they came out with that that panned that had an awesome trailer that Medellin. Medellin. It was like it, it's like it's his Medellin because I remember watching that trailer <laughs> and being being like oh my god he's gonna win the academy award for this and then everybody everything i read just shat all over it and they, they didn't just say it was like a mediocre performance they said it was a terrible movie terrible. I, I don't think it's a good movie but i do think he gives a at least there's like from i remember some scenes in it that were him and 
at a very high level, right? Like right. almost like a mix between the comedy and the drama in the way he delivers his lines and stuff like that, right? Like when you're watching him, you're like, he's kind of funny without without really trying to be, but he's right. it's, it's super intense. But it, right, like, his voice when he talks like it, it's it's just like the Andy Samberg, just the way he talks. He's like, hey, I'm Mark Wahlberg. Let's talk to some, talk to some Christmas animals. Like, uh, okay, donkey, say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> I, I can tell you this. I don't think he is going to age particularly well in his career as an actor. I think he'll put out some some blockbusters as a producer. Um, but I don't see, I don't see, based upon the choices he's making, him going to have that uh, autumn of his years performance where where he's going to win an Academy Award or be nominated for an Academy Award as an old man. I don't, I don't see it. I think he's too vain. I mean, he's still doing like fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger movies right now. Well, and I think at some point he's he's going to do the Mel Gibson, the Clint Eastwood, and he's just going to turn to directing. That's what you do when you have more money than God. And he's never you know. directed. He doesn't direct anything. Not yet. I don't think he's going to direct one. I think that's. I think that's his third act. Okay. All right. I'd like to see it. I think he. You think he's like Vince Vaughn and Swingers? Oh, I'm. I'm a producer. Oh, it's so interesting. That's actually one of my favorite scenes because they ask. <laughs> they ask him. They ask him like a hundred questions. Like, who's your agent? Why do you use that agent? <laughs> <laughs> like, and then he says, Vince Vaughn goes, oh, I'm a producer. They're like, oh, cool. <laughs> I could have picked any of the scenes from him, from Huckabee's, as, his, one of his, as his best work, quite frankly. Yeah, I, that's what I think. I mean, it, you, you look at the scene with the Sicilian woman or the scene where his wife's leaving him on the front of the house and he's telling his little daughter, you know, mommy um, has to have her shoes and, and little Indonesian girls have to work for it. And his daughter, I mean, he's... He's amazing. And really the performances in that movie all around are great. Dustin Hoffman is fantastic in that movie. Also a very good underrated comedic actor. I, I think Boogie Nights is a great movie. He's he's not playing a kid from Boston, so it's significant, but I think his talent is comedic. The depth of that I think is seen in I Heart Huckabees. It's a different brand of comedy, but it's also there with the other guys. You know, we never picked David O. Russell. All of his work is excellent agreed i think that's a special edition one all right when we come back we'll be talking about the king's speech lock me in the tower i would if i could on what charge fraud with war looming you've saddled this nation with a voiceless king you've destroyed the happiness of my family all for the sake of ensnaring a star patient you couldn't possibly hope to assist. It'll be like mad King George III. Colin Firth and Jeffrey Rush in 2010's The King's Speech, directed by Tom Hooper. Original screenplay, lead acting, best picture, best director. Who wins like the big four? It's a solid movie through and through. I easily think Black Swan could have won. Black Swan is fantastic. It's really well done. I remember watching it and like, it was, I could not look away. I could not look away. There's parts of the King's Speech that kind of drag on. Amy and I rewatched King's Speech last week and 
she loved it. I never had an interest in watching this movie, but I mean, they do a really, really good job with it. The other movies that were nominated, and this is a year where they start doing 10. So you've got Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, Social Network, True Grit. So you got Fincher, Nolan, and the Coen brothers in there. O. Russell. You also have, and I know Matt wants to say something about this, Winter's Bone, 127 Hours, Toy Story 3, and The Kids Are All Right. Before I get to a couple movies that were not nominated, didn't make the top 10, uh, Amy and I watched The Kids Are All Right. It's, it's, a, it's an okay movie. It's, I thought it was like super granola, super California. I don't know how you say that that movie is better than Shutter Island which has a big reveal at the end of it, right? I love Shutter Island. That's a great movie. I, I, know, I know. And it didn't, get, it didn't even make the top 10. The Town, which I'm a huge fan of that movie. Um, I know Matt hates it because it's not about Chicago. And he's got this hate. No, I don't hate it. It's just, it's, it's, it's movie number seven out of seven years about Southie. I mean, give me a break. No. You had different fucking accents, didn't you? You got how many people got nominated for for the town? It's like Winter. if you if you play someone from Southie, you automatically get nominated and a leg up for the Academy Award. It's fucking bullshit. This is just your bias from towards Boston. Mm-hmm. Listen, you're not gonna answer my questions. You're wasting my fucking time. What? I thought we were friends. What do you mean? You... Playtime's over. Oh yeah. How yeah. about this? I totally agree. I totally agree that Goodwill Hunting was an amazing movie. I totally agree. People in Goodwill Hunting should have won the Academy Award. Some people in The Departed should have won the Academy Award. But once you start getting on to Melissa Leo and The Fighter, once you start getting on to The Town, yeah, The Fighter and The Town came out in the same fucking year, you break, Logan. You're making the point that I made with The Machinist. Hmm. You can't make the same movie or people get tired of it. You got to space this shit out. But everybody sees that something's popular and they want to cash in on it. And, and that's that's fair, but the, it's still the town is still a good movie. It is. Totally agree. It's a caper, though, Logan. It's a fucking caper. But it's capers don't win the Academy Award. They don't get nominated. Uh, well, so Toy Story three got nominated. I don't. I I know it's a good movie, right? And but it's a it's a fucking cartoon. I don't think that that should be in the mix for it should be best animated movie or whatever, right? But like, really, best picture? You're going to nominate Toy Story three for best picture? Fair enough. <laughs> I, I probably this. Neither of my kids liked it. Like they <laughs> love Toy Story movies. They're like, we don't want to watch Toy Story three though, Dad. We don't. We don't like that one. <laughs> I do think it was a particularly strong year because I think, and and I go back to comments that Mike made on the when we did the year that Ordinary People won over his favorite movie ever, Raging Bull. Favorite Scorsese movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's out for debate but i I don't mike i don't give king's speech that much of an edge over black swan or inception i I mean i'm a huge fan of inception i i love that movie and i don't give him a huge edge over that inception won all the like the lower lower hanging sound right sound best visual effects all that kind of stuff what do you call that lower hanging fruit yeah yeah <laughs> I'm true grit. You guys know I'm a huge Western fan. Huge. Love the movie. It's a remake though, dude. It is a remake, but it's so good. Jeff Bridges is amazing. Uh, it's a super strong year. I think any other year, some of these win Best Picture. 
I'm sure we'll get there. We'll get to the year. So. I want to point something else out that might have given King's Speech a leg up. You got a lot of good performances from a lot of British actors. Okay, it's almost entirely a British cast. Tom Hooper is a British director. 2010 is the year that Downton Abbey crushed America. That might have something to do with it. You had a lot of the same players in it. People were starting to fall in love with the Anglophile life, and that might have given it a leg up on what I thought was the the best movie of that year, which is The Social Network. <laughs> oh, come I'm on. I'm not joking. I think it was. Wait, time the fuck out, because you called me out about this, and you you even referred to it by as the Facebook movie, that one that Logan likes, the Facebook movie, on one of our early episodes. And I didn't even respond. I didn't even respond. But I'm going to respond. Was, that was called sarcasm, <laughs> because I know that you hate that movie. So I don't need it. Because you sent a text message when we were sending when we were sending our best scenes and you go, wait, was it the time when he hit the refresh button to see if his girl, if the girl he liked accepted it? Or was it the scene where they did this? Like you, you gave like three different really, really (laughs) harsh criticisms of, of moments in it. But dude, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed that movie. I thought Sorkin did a good job with it. I like I like depositions as a dramatic. Everyone, people love a trial as a mechanism to bring bring out drama, uh, or as McCoy would say, a trial is a drama on on AMC or whatever at Station USA. But depositions are some of my favorite movies. Is when there's a deposition going on. Let me rephrase this. You sent my client 16 emails. In the first 15, you didn't raise any concerns. Is that a question? In the 16th email, you raised concerns about the site's functionality. Were you leading them on for six weeks? No. Then why didn't you raise any of these concerns before? It's raining. So, so well, look, it's, it's David Fincher, so there are parts of that movie that are always going to be good. And those are, those are the best parts in the deposition. But the problem is the rest of the movie is it about an arrogant billionaire played by Jesse Eisenberg, who is much better in Zombieland than he is in this movie. I feel the same way about The Social Network as I think, Matt, you do, and I generally do about The Wolf on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. I don't like it because I don't like who it's about. It bothers me that Jordan Belfort, who I don't think is a good human being, Correct. Zuckerberg got a movie made about him and gets like portrayed on the big screen as like somebody that we, you know, we should like and admire. I, it just doesn't sit right with me. And so I don't, I, I don't hate that movie, but I, I certainly am not a huge fan. Look, you know, your movie has problems when people say, Oh, Justin Timberlake stole the show. <laughs> Honestly, Garfield, well I thought Garfield, when, when Garfield says, you better lawyer up asshole. That's, that's my favorite part of the whole movie. Look, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Garfield. He's great in Silence. He's and he's good in that movie. He's he's very well rounded. Uh, but here's here's the thing about this year, and and this is why I put why I put the King's Speech in a high category. This is actually one of the few years where I can say I have seen all of these movies. I love Black Swan. I love Darren Aronofsky. I'm a big fan. Natalie Portman's fantastic. But 
Natalie Portman's pillow should have won an Academy Award for that movie. There's no reason why that movie should not be good. It's got everything. It's one, it's one of his best screenplays since Requiem for a Dream, right? I mean, it's actually got a linear plot for one thing. And so everybody it's, should it's like it. One of three movies that that guy has it as a linear. It's very good. And it's it takes a very interesting subject matter with very great performances and it, and it brings it up. The Fighter is, we've talked about the South, the Inception is, is an amazing movie. It's very interesting. The kids are all right. It appeals to the granola people on the West Coast. Social Network, we've already crossed that bridge. And so same thing with Toy Story. True Grit, it's a classic modern Western. I mean, it's just, if you're going to make Westerns nowadays, that's the, the standard. But it's, it's a Western, right? Everybody, you, you've been down that road. Winter's Bone is probably one of the best stories. Oh. I forgot, man. Yeah, Winter's yeah. Bone. And out of nowhere, Jennifer Lawrence shows up and hit, knocks it out of the park. I mean, that's... And John, John Hawks was amazing in that movie. And it's just a, it's a really, it's a, it's a gritty story. It's a good mystery. And then you say, well, here's, here's what I think. I think that we can get a bunch of British people and Australian people together and somebody can have a stutter and then we can make a movie about that. Like, I'm sorry, I'm asleep. And they suddenly, they somehow made that more interesting and suspenseful yeah. right there's a lot of suspense in that movie i mean it's just so well done and and the details of that movie are so well thought out i mean there's a, everybody who looked at that movie was meticulous in their performances and the writing and the directing and the costumes i mean everything was you know we've talked about like what are the flaws in movies i don't see one in this one i just don't i mean other than the fact that it's Essentially, it's Downton Abbey, the movie. It's like the prequel to The Queen, which is the, right. new, the new show that everybody's it's not a prequel because it came out. I mean, right? You can't say that. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's this is the time right before Queen Elizabeth, right? Which is when the, the, then the Queen picks up when she's young-ish, and it's got Churchill in it and everything else. I don't disagree. Like I said... This, uh, there's very, it's very close um, between, in my opinion, King's Speech, Black Swan, and Inception. I haven't seen Winter's Bone. It's on my list of, of movies to watch. I'll definitely check it out. Um, it's a good one. Winter's Bone is excellent. Excellent. Um, it's a strong year. I don't have a problem with the King's Speech winning. I have a different opinion, but it certainly wasn't against the manifest way to the evidence. Nice. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Well, I think it was the best. Maybe that, should be, maybe that should be the review, is that it has to be against the manifest way to the evidence. Is that the standard of review? Or how about we could talk, we, we could make an argument prior to getting into it as whether we are to review it de novo or manifest way to the evidence. When we come back, we're going to be talking about our picks for next week. Bowden seems to be involved in every crime in the city, and yet the bureau keeps saying he's clean. Well, what's Bolger done? What's he done? Everything. You cannot say that to me.
mind, he will keep it. I, w- I will be the first to admit that I baited Matt on the last segment. And so the movie pick this week is Black Mass. We're going oh. southy. Now, I, I will say this. I was, I was going to pick a different Scott Cooper movie. This guy, like I look back and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Out of the Furnace, Black Mass, and Hostiles. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not a problem that you picked his worst movie for us to, re, to talk about. <laughs> I mean. So my, my, my original pick was going to be Hostiles, which is on, I think, Netflix right now. But we just did a Bale movie, and we just did a Western movie. So, or we've talked about Western. So I, I thought maybe we should lay off that. Um, and okay. Bale's been out of the furnace. So we're going to do Black Mass. All right, I can make it down. Good pick, Matt. It's your week to, to it's your week to pick our actor. Who are we going to talk about next week? We're going to talk about Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> oh, so um, are, are we going to focus pretty much on City Slickers then? <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, who in Jake Gyllenhaal's family got him and his sister into Hollywood. Um, that's that's what we're going to discuss. I'm going to get into it. Well, that's a good pick. There's a lot to talk about there. Honestly, they're they're both good actors. Whether they would have gotten a chance to do it, I don't know. But that kid is got a lot a lot to talk about. So for the year, we will be discussing the 49th Academy Awards ceremony in 1976. And can either of you tell me who won Best Picture in 1976 without looking it up? Jaws? No, Rocky. Good. There you go. Rocky. Yeah. Other nominees include All the President's Men, Network, Taxi Driver, and Bound for Glory. I I, uh, picked up on the fact that, Logan, you said you had never seen Rocky. I love the movie All the President's Men. I think it's a fantastic movie. Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman are fantastic in it. Bob Woodward book, it's politics, it's Watergate. Um, Network is a fantastic movie. Uh, if you've never seen it, Sidney, Sidney Lament is the director of that. And I'm, then pretty was, sure, I'm pretty sure I'm going to love it um, that year because I'm drawing a blank on what we maybe just discussed, but I, I've got I've to tell you, I'm, I'm pretty sure journalistic movies are my favorite movies if logan is western i used to think mine's spy but i'm i'm pretty sure it's it's journalistic movies because they're they're half spy as well like i did the insider i I watched the insider earlier this week guys five star movie five star movie about about an episode of 60 minutes you know what else is a five-star movie that's about journalistic? Uh, Spotlight. Spotlight, exactly. Spotlight. You know what else is a great movie? State of Play with Russell Crowe and Ben Affleck. All of those movies are excellent, excellent movies. And so you've never seen All the President's Men? Never. I'm actually really excited that you picked this year. And I imagine Network's kind of like that too, right? You know, it's a really good year. I know nothing about Bound for Glory. Um, I, I suspect it was not actually Bound for Glory. But the, is, is Al Brooks is Al Brooks in Network? It doesn't matter. Um, but 
Taxi Driver, Network, Rocky, and All the President's Men are all very different kinds of movies that are all very good. I think we're going to enjoy talking about it. I'm excited about re-watching Black Mass and taking a finer look into Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, this has been the In Camera Review Podcast. We'll see you next week. 